0: Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Go ahead and, uh, and get your Bibles, your notes out, Bible apps. Come on, you can multitask, right? Come on, you multitaskers! I know it. I know it. You know, some of you are carrying kids in and driving your car and walking in a church. You can multitask. So, go ahead and get your Bibles open. I'm mean, going to have you open up to the book of First John. It's in the New Testament near the back. That's not the Gospel of John, but it's the it's. There's a First, Second, and Third John near the back. Turn over to First John, chapter number four, verse seven, and I want to show you an incredible passage of Scripture there today. And today I'm talking about love. Talking about love, love, love. What's love got to do with it? A whole lot. So, songs from my generation were like "What's Love Got to Do?" You know, there's was a bad song, popular song, but a bad song. You know, and and it's just, it's just, you know, just. There, there was another song that was sung during that generation that's like, love stinks. Yeah, yeah. You know if you guys remember that? You, you, you know. You know you remember it. That was another bad song. Love is not as bad as the music makes it out to be. But we're going to talk a lot about that today. Uh, love is, um, it's overused, the word, yet it's also underused utilized. Uh, it's, also, it's something we all want. It's something we need, but it's not always something that we give, and we're going to learn about all that stuff today because love brings people together. And if you guys see what's going on in Portland yesterday, I mean, that's not love bringing people together, all right? That's why there's ugliness, but when love gets, gets in the mix, it pulls people toward each other. I mean, love is simple. That, at the same time, love is complex. Uh, love is easy. It really is. Uh, but on the other hand love's difficult it 's a really neat subject and, and today i 'm just wanting myself and you first of all learn to love a little bit more together in fact that 's the title of my message today it 's Learning to love uh, Love is one of the nine fruits of the spirit that Paul gives us in the Bible and uh, what does the fruit, the fruit of the spirit do for us? Well actually, when God comes in us, you know we start to bear a certain type of fruit, these nine characteristics and and the truth is it makes us more likable <laughs> in it, it it even helps us to like ourselves a little bit more. Here's what it it says in Galatians chapter five, verse 22. Paul says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And today we're talking about the one in all caps, Love. Now, I want us to look at this, ch- this passage in 1 John chapter 4. This is a lengthy passage, but there's so much meat in it. You can dig your teeth in it and chew on this for days. Jump in. 1 John chapter number 4, verse 7. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from where? God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not know, does not love, does not know God. Why? Because, say those three words together, God is love. All right. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son, and who is that? Jesus. Jesus, That's right. Into the world so that we might live through Jesus. He says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to say say those three words with me now, love one another, important. This is good now. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, And his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. That's called the Holy Spirit. That's God. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus Christ is the son of God, God lives in them. Important. And they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Say it again with me. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in who? God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment, which is a real thing, all right? In this world, we are like Jesus. Okay? There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Good stuff there. We love, why? Because he first loved us. Whoever claims, oh, this is good. Come on, this is good. Just say, you know what? It's like, I don't need to preach today. I'm just going to read this to you, okay? Here it is, here it is. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Now, you might say, thank goodness I'm an only child. Well, (laughs) some of you are kind of excited about that. I just want to let you know we're talking about the family of God here. So, so, you know, anyone else who's a believer? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, even the stranger over on the other side of the earth you ever met, they're a believer. Okay, good. Here he goes. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, they cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Okay. This entire passage, beginning with verse 7 down to verse 22, needs to be marked, highlighted, underlined, arrows pointed toward it, dog-eared, in your Bible, on your Bible apps, everywhere. It's worth reading and rereading because it's very thought-provoking, and really the passage speaks for itself. But you really need to go back through this and read it slowly to digest it. I strongly encourage you to. But I'm going to take some concepts from this and break it down a little bit today. And it really all starts off with this one principle right here is that when you receive Jesus, you receive God's love. That's the foundation of everything I'm talking about. You know, when, when you are born again, when you, when you confess your sin to Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live in you. And since God is love and you said it yourself twice, love has actually taken up residence in you. I know some of you say, well, I don't, feel loved? Well, I'm just going to ask you to accept the fact. Accept it. You are loved. You need to accept that fact. You've been given God's love already. And no, you don't deserve it. (laughs) And there's certainly no way you could have ever earned it. It's a gift from God. Love is in you because the spirit of God is in you. You're made in the image of God, and God's ways actually are now becoming your ways. That's how the fruit of the Spirit works. So, what are you gonna do about that? Well, three very simple words. So love others. I mean, let, if God's in you, if love's in you, let it out. Let it out. God's love is, is in you, and, and, and because of that, as you let it out, even more can be poured into you. Just give it away. But here's the truth, if you don't feel love, most likely you're also not giving love. You're already loved, but if you don't feel it, you're probably not giving love. See, love is, it, it follows the law of reciprocity. What comes around, goes around is the way we say it, but that's actually a biblical truth. In, in other words, we have to receive, we give, we receive, we give love. That's how it works. That's how we even feel love. A lot of people don't feel love. Some of you in here today, you may not feel love because you're not giving love. So, so my challenge is to begin to let love flow out of you and watch what slowly begins to happen in your life. Here's what's gonna, I'll just tell you what's gonna happen. You're gonna look at yourself and you say, you're brighter. People are gonna start saying, you just seem to be happier. what's, What's different about you? Well, actually, you're letting the love out. See, if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, his spirit, spirit of God lives in you, and love should be a natural outflow of your life, and you've just gotta let it out. If you're not loving other people, the truth is you're not even really experiencing God because God is love, and God demonstrates unrelenting love towards you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you can receive his love and be full of his love and let it flow out of you. Jesus explained it this way. And this is in the gospel of John, chapter number seven, verse 37. I like this. Jesus, he, It says, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. So he stands up. He's yelling, in a sense, letting everyone know, I really need you to hear this. So he's yelling in a loud voice. He didn't have microphones back then, so I won't yell. But he said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Okay, he, he's, he's putting it into the picture of like water. Now, what are they gonna drink? Come to me and drink. Well, it's actually drinking of his love because God is what? Love. See, you guys are good. Come up here and preach it. All right, you see, you're, you're, getting, you're getting this. God is love. So come to me and you drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, It's just like what we found in 1 John a minute ago. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. In other words, because you drink of the love of God, then the love of God flows like a river, like a river out of you. It says, by this, Jesus meant the Spirit, God, love, whom those who believed in were later to receive. So, We go to Jesus because we're parched, we're in pain, we're ready to drop out. And then he pours God, the Holy Spirit, pure love into us like living water. But then out of us absolutely must flow that same living water, which is the Holy Spirit, that love into the life of other people. I mean, have have you ever wondered why two people who have practically identical uh, difficulties or circumstances, how they will react so different? I've seen this so many times. I mean, some people, they're going through a situation and another other person's going through the same thing, but one person carries around this aura of hopelessness and, and uh, they have this perpetual black cloud that's always over them. It's like doom is imminent, no matter what the size is of the problem. But then there are others who are dealing with the same stuff, and they're not only hopeful, but they're, they're joyful. And you, you'd look in their face and say, say, well, obviously everything is just fine in their lives. They must never have difficulties or problems. Life is so easy for them, but they're going through the same stuff. You know what I'm talking about, right? So, so, so what's the difference? What is the difference? Well, I believe the difference can be found in this picture, this image that's found in geography. Those of you who flunked geography, you're about to get a nice little course right now, and you're gonna feel so good. Those of you who are geology, I mean, those of you who are like a geology majors, you're about ready to get so pumped you're gonna be on the edge of your seat. This is for you, all right? But I want you to look at this. This is a map of modern-day Israel, and, uh, and you, you, you'll look here, you see three bodies of water, uh, three very large bodies of water. They're all called seas, but really, only one of them is actually sea, the Mediterranean, also known as the Great Sea. The other two the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, they're really just large lakes. The Sea of Galilee, at the top of the map, Dead Sea at the, to the south, which is at the bottom of the map. Now, there's a lot of discussion in the Bible about the Sea of Galilee. You go through the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, constantly talking about the Sea of Galilee. You hardly hear anything mentioned about the Dead Sea. Well, why, the Dead Sea's three times the size of the little Sea of Galilee. Now, now you see, these two lakes, they are connected by another body of water called the Jordan River. Has, now, that has nothing to do with Jordan, who's up here singing all the time. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's a whole different thing, all right? But uh, his mom was obviously reading the Bible. Jordan River, hey, that, that's my son. Uh, so, I don't know if that's how it worked or not, Jordan. I'll, we'll, we'll ask your mom next time she's here. But But the Jordan River exits, look, the Sea of Galilee, and and it flows south. The Jordan River then goes into, flows directly into the Dead Sea. But the river does not exit the Dead Sea at the bottom. Those are tributaries that are actually going back into it. So, this picture right here is the Sea of Galilee in northern Israel. It's near where Jesus was raised. It's the... uh, area where most of his ministry occurred. Uh, This is the place where Jesus walked on water on a few occasions around this time. uh, During the time of Jesus, that huge lake was just filled with this network of thriving cities. Why? It's because this lake was just literally teeming with life. In fact, the fisheries in this area, world history tells us that they were famous. They were the most famous in the Roman Empire. Uh, So it caused a lot of robust trade. And I'm just telling you, this was definitely the place to be. Business was thriving there. Life was everywhere. And here's the deal. Life flowed out of that lake into the Jordan River, which is a river of life. But then it goes down and it ends here. This is called the dead sea, and it's, it's called that for a good reason. It's 25% salt, bromide, and other chemicals. Life in this lake, like around this lake, is impossible. You can see nothing alive around there. Uh, fish that come downstream uh, into uh, this body of water, if they're unfortunate enough to actually get into it, they will die no vegetation I mean and, and here's what's interesting geographically th- these two lakes I thought they were further apart than th- they're only 63 miles apart that's like driving from here to Rockwall you know but the contrast is unbelievable like the contrast of Dallas and Fort Worth you know <laughs> no but really <laughs> hey man yeah for, that's why you're here but there is, you know, if you're from Dallas, we love you, but, you know, sorry. Uh, but the truth is, there's no contrast in two bodies of water anywhere similar to this anywhere in the world. How is it that one lake teems with life and the other is famous for death? Well, it's all about the flow. You see, the Sea of Galilee receives from that river, and it flows back out. So it's full of life. The Dead Sea receives from the river of life, but nothing flows out. So all the life that goes in there, it just accumulates. And over the millennia, salts and deposits have accumulated because all the water can do there is just evaporate. You see, the Dead Sea is in what I call receive-only mode. It receives life, but it gives death. Now, these two massive lakes are a lot like people. The water that flows from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea, it's like the flow of God, the Holy Spirit, its love. That love just pouring out. It's you know, and if we are but if we are in receive only mode and we never give back out like Jesus said, you should living water is supposed to flow out of you then even the goodness, the life, the blessing of God that flows into you then becomes deadly. It's it's, it's like that living water that Jesus promised. The Holy Spirit flows into your life, but you hold on to it and you never give back out. Some of you might feel like you can't give love away, but you also know it's killing you. I just want to challenge you today to refuse to be a dead sea refuse to de- be a dead sea i want you to say this i'm not gonna be no dead sea i like that i'm not gonna be no dead sea you right jordan let's write a song on that okay definitely be in a minor key yeah uh, but you know it, it even works the same thing with income and business there are a lot of business professionals in here you know how it works you take some income and then you reinvest it to make more what money right? And then the business gets to grow and expand, blesses people, people are employed, products and services are out there, everybody wins, right? But if the income arrives and you hoard it and you spend it just on yourself and you make no more investment with it, then the business is going to fold and it's going to let everybody down. People may lose their jobs and they certainly aren't going to get your, gifts, your uh, goods and services anymore. Here's the principle, you harm when you hoard. One of the things we say around here is that we're all about making Jesus known on our cultural streets, but but we make Jesus known through our authentic, genuine love. Did you really want to make a difference in the world? Yes. Just understand this. Get this principle right here. Is the common element of every cultural street is people. People who need love. People in the marketplace, people in your home, your neighborhood, people with the social activities that you go to, you get to give them love out of your heart because God has already put it in there. Love, it can't be hoarded. It can't be. I, I want you to thrive in life, I do. I want you to be teeming with life. I, and I don't want you to be an agent of death like the Dead Sea because a hoarder of love never thrives, just like the Dead Sea. As I was preparing for this message, I came across several less than obvious symptoms of people who are not channels of love, and if you're not giving love, The truth is you're hurting yourself and you're poisoning people around you and I just wanna share these with you just to help you identify them very quickly. These are all symptoms of Dead Sea living and I want you to write a few of these down. If they speak to your heart, write it down and let God begin to speak to your heart on how to deal with it. But here's the first one, Dead Sea symptom number one is death by worry. See, worry actually feels normal but worry is a Dead Sea symptom. It's this, am I pretty enough? Oh, I wonder what's gonna happen. Um, Well, what if she doesn't like me? What do other people think? You see, is the Dead Sea symptom of worry crippling you? Because worry is actually a focus on self. When you focus on loving other people, worry begins to evaporate. Dead Sea symptom number two is this, death by discouragement. That would be like self-pity. It's this never-ending sorrow and sadness leading into even deeper depression where you're just like, poor me, poor, poor me. Nobody understands me. My life is hard. And truth is, feeling sorry for yourself doesn't get you anywhere. And it's not going to help relationships because nobody likes a whiner. You've already figured that out, right? But when you release love, what happens is discouragement begins to lift. Here's death-sea symptom number three, death by fear. Fantasy, I like that one. Instead of living in the day, in the moment, and enjoying the moment, you're distracted about the future. The fears, the possibilities, the maybes, and you're stressed out about all the fantasies you have. It's this obsession that, that basically follows this line right here, when such and such happens, then I'll finally feel fulfilled. No, you won't. Five minutes max. (laughs) See, a life of fantasy, it steals your peace. But when you love other people, you begin to break out of fantasy because loving other people focuses you on the here and now, what's happening right here in front of your face. Dead Sea symptom number four is this. Death by pain avoidance. It's the avoidance of pain feeling pain, and, and that actually leads to a lot of compulsive behaviors. I mean, so nobody wants to feel pain. Nobody wants that. Yet, on the other hand, pain is unavoidable. It's going to happen, so you have to learn how to process it. And I'm telling you guys, it's okay to grieve, but as you're grieving, you give the pain to Jesus. It's okay to feel the pain of how you were wronged and mistreated and rejected and abused. It's okay to feel that pain, but you give it to Jesus at the same time while you're learning to love again. In fact, the, the truth is, is the experience of well-processed pain, it will help you to love more deeply than you ever have in the past because you'll begin to understand other people more because they're in pain too. Dead sea symptom number five. Here we go. Is this yours? Death by unforgiveness. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, forgiveness, really, it's foundational for our faith because every one of us have sinned and sinned against other people. In fact, we have, oh, this, is, this is good. We have been forgiven by God to be forgivers. We have been. Unforgiveness, it causes us to bottle up. Love can't even flow in anymore because we're hoping to preserve the little bit of love that we have and it turns to poison and we become worse. That's what 1 John chapter four was all about that we just read a few minutes ago. God loves us, so we love others. God has forgiven us, so we forgive others. Dead Sea symptom number six, here we go. That is death by control. Uh, Yeah, I know, everyone's going, well, not me. Thank goodness that's not me. Well, just think about this. It's it's where we try to control people and situations around us. Uh, Control, it brings anxiety, uh, hatred. It brings fear, and it even causes isolation because you can't trust others. What, what, What does control mean? Control really means you can't trust God. So control isn't about love at all. If you're in a relationship and you're controlling someone else, that's not love. Control is an attempt to hoard whatever love is there from that other person. Love releases and love gives. And here's the last one. Dead Sea symptom number seven is death by fear. You know, Some of you are so afraid of what other people think. So you try diligently to manage their perceptions of you. But unfortunately, all that does is isolate you more and more. You're afraid, so you can't give love. You don't give love. Or you're afraid of the devil. You're afraid to go to work. You're afraid to go to a connect group. Unwarranted fear is just a lie. It's a distraction. A spirit of fear does not come from God. Perfect love drives out fear. That's what we read just a few moments ago. So which of those seven Dead Sea symptoms do you want to make your mission to conquer and start working on it this week? Pick one. In fact, I even found a very simple devotional plan uh, that can help you. It's called Letting Love In. It's how God crushes your inner critic and it's a seven-day U-version devotional plan right there. I want you to you know, take note of that. Go to the City Life app on the newsfeed. Be sure and refresh it. You'll see it on there this week only. I encourage you to take seven days, go through this simple devotional plan. I just finished it and I love it. Uh, but I, I also have a very private, what I call daily goal. I have some daily goals that nobody knows about, but they're just mine, and so. But one of, I, I never told anyone this, but this is one of my private daily goals, and it's to secretly invest love in someone who can never pay me back. Now, the reason I'm sharing it with you is like, well, I think feel safe enough to do that because um, you don't know what I'm actually doing. Because if I was telling you all the little things I'm doing, then I'm getting praise for myself, I lose my reward in heaven, I don't wanna do that, so I wanna, <laughs> I wanna keep doing the right thing. But this is the, the principle right here. It, it's one of my three foundational daily goals. It's about, it's about loving with zero expectation of receiving anything back. And, and here's the truth. You will be amazed at how many opportunities will come your way if you just watch for this opportunities to love someone expecting nothing back in your daily life. I don't do this as part of my ministry as a pastor to you guys. It's just something that I do to people that I may never, ever see again. And for me, I need to learn to love every day. I want to learn and relearn to love. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. His name is Joe Gum. Joe is a broadcast journalist, and uh, he, he was, he was a, a boy who was in my kid's church growing up, and uh, as a teenager and even a young adult, he worked and served with me in ministry my very first staff pastor position where I served at another church uh, here in the Metroplex for uh, about a decade and a half. And um, he's a quality young man. Uh, came from a really bad family background. I'm just telling you, his, his family, it was rough. The guy stuttered, afraid of people. He, he had nothing going for him. In fact, when he first went to college, his first batch of courses he had to take were all remedial courses that he was never even able to get credit for because academically, he just didn't have it. But he worked and he pushed. He called me up on the phone and says, Pastor Tim, I just want to call you and tell you thank you. I just realized something I've never thanked you because when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult, you pushed me, and you pushed me, and you pushed me. And you kept saying, you get out there one more time, and you serve, and you love people, and God will heal. God will open up doors. God will do things for you. You just keep loving and loving and loving and loving. He said, you taught me that. And he said, I found myself with my girls just yesterday. He said, I found myself with my girls, and, and I, was, I was telling them, you shouldn't meet this guy. His name is Tim Woody. <laughs> I was like, well, whatever. But... Uh, <laughs> They're like, well, who cares, dad? Yeah, I'm like, really, who cares? But he said, he taught me something and I'm gonna teach it to you. And he told his girls, he says, you, you know, you're complaining about what you don't have and, what, and, and really listing a lot of these symptoms that I read to you earlier. And they said, you know what the problem is? I mean, he and his wife just nailed it, you know. He said, you girls are not giving anything out. You're not serving in church anymore. You don't want to go on a mission trip. Because the, the times I've seen you the happiest are when you're loving other people, when you're doing other things for other people. Isn't that right? Come on, start telling some stories. So they start telling stories and said, you're right, dad, you're right. We're happiest when we give love away. So why are you so grouchy right now? They said, because we're not giving love away, right? <laughs> and he said, that's the lesson I learned that changed my life. I want to pass God's love test, don't you? And here's how to pass it. Be a river of love. Let love flow out of you. And then let the love keep coming back in. <sighs> will you be a river of love accepting the love of God and loving other people, letting it flow through you? <sighs> will, will you be a river of God to love people that you don't even like? <sighs> yes, it's possible. So I have a three-fold challenge for you. Pretty simple. I encourage you to pick one of these three, two, or maybe all three of them. But here, here's, here are some simple ways to kind of jumpstart this thing. One is to dive into a connect group. Today's connect group Sunday. Go to the app, go to the tables today. You know, simple, easy, it's here for you. Another one is to serve in ministry. It's like what Jodan was saying. Um, my friend was telling me, you just kept pushing me to serve in ministry and you wouldn't let me come up with excuses. You should, you really should. I tell you, the happiest people around here are the people that serve on a weekly basis or monthly basis or whatever. How to do that? Just take a, one of those next cards and mark some serving opportunities you're interested in in the back, and someone will get in touch with you and find out your spot. You're say, But yeah, I don't have any way to, I can't, I don't, you don't, you don't know, my life's hard. You know. Okay, here, here's the deal. Here's the, look at me, look at me. Everyone, look at me. I want you to smile. Come on, big smile, smile, smile. Some of you aren't smiling. I'm watching, I'm watching. Smile, smile. Don't, don't, don't frown when I turn away, all right? Smile big. Real smile's not fake. Don't go, ee, ee, all right? Smile big. Now I want you to say hello. hello. Simple. So, boom. We all now have a whole group of people who are ready to serve. That's the qualification right there. It really is. And here's the third one, is to be a river of love on your cultural street that's when you're out there. I I I've, I've always said this since we first started here. Like this church does not measure success by what happens in here inside these four walls. The success of this ministry is what happens out there on your cultural streets, in your family, on the business cultural street, in, in health and vitality, in, in arts and entertainment cultural street, as school resumes, in your educational cultural street. You become an agent of love and when you do this, you are actually releasing the primary quality of everything God is about. Everything God's about is called God's kingdom. You're releasing that. In fact, Jesus said this. I love this. He said, God will give you all you need from day to day if you live for Him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern, what is the kingdom all, all about? It's a four-letter word. You've heard me say it about seventy-five times today. It's love. It's love. Not a cuss word. It's just love. <laughs> Some of you are going, a four-letter word. I oh, no. you know. It, it, it's incredible. Think about it. God will meet your needs if you just simply let God flow through you into the love of the people. in this room, there are a lot of needs. group this size, man, there are some intense spiritual, emotional, uh, physical needs, material needs. But Jesus is saying right here, don't focus on your needs. Focus instead on growing in love. Because if you do that, God says, I'm going to take care of your other needs. And my God cannot lie. I'd like for you to have no movement at this time. I don't want anyone in here moving around for just a couple minutes. You should close your eyes and focus internally because so maybe some of you here today, you've yet to surrender your life to Jesus. Possibly you've drifted from relationship with God. And if you want to know the Jesus that we talk about here at City Life, you want a new beginning. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond in just a moment by lifting your hands. Knowing this, is that Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. And he died for you so that you could have life and life to the full. And today, today, it's time for you to live. If you want to be included in my closing prayer, surrender your life to Jesus. When I count to three, just lift your hand so that I can connect my faith with yours and we'll pray together. Will you do that? If that's you, just lift your hand. One, two, three. Three. Lift your hand for me all across the room so that I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Who else? Thank you. Put your hands down. Who else? Give it just a second longer here. I don't want to miss anybody. Thank you. Yeah. Those of you who raised your hands, you, that's, that's bold of you. I'm gonna have you pray now. In fact, I'm gonna have the rest of the congregation, everyone else pray with you as an encouragement to you. So here's what I'm asking that we do. We all stand? Stand with me, please. Everyone in the room, stand. If you lifted your hand, please pray these words with me. Congregation, pray it as well as an encouragement to those who are praying it right now. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the son of God. Please forgive my sins. It's now time for me to live. So I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. It's a future of giving love. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.